Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. So this is the 12th in our 3,726 part series, wherein we watch a movie selected at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, do a little research and tell you what we found and what we thought about the movie. Yeah, so uh, a couple things we should get out of the way right at the start here. First, there are two rules. First is that uh, we cannot veto the movie that we select from the guide. As long as it's a movie that we have not seen, we have to watch it. Unless it's more than four hours long, in which case uh, we get uh, something. We get uh, $100. <laughs> yeah, we give each other $100 for our joint checking account. Like, congratulations, <laughs> we did it. We did it. We made it. The only exception to that is if the movie is like more than four hours long, then uh, we will skip it. For your benefit, too, for, so this doesn't become a billion-hour-long podcast. Yeah, we're trying to keep it like close to a half hour. So we also just want to make sure that uh, we state that we are not affiliated with Scarecrow Video in any way. Uh, we think that they're great and that you should give them your money. Not all of your money, just some. Some of your money, if you're in the Seattle area. So... In our last episode, we watched Leatherface, The Chainsaw Massacre 3. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. <laughs> well. Not just any Chainsaw if you want, Massacre. Well, I know. You know, all those Leatherfaces. Yeah. The, all those ch- Chainsaw the, Massacres. The New England Leatherface. <laughs> uh, the the, main the Manitoba Leatherface. Yeah. <laughs> They're just so maple Yeah, the, I mean, that's a big difference. They've got the maple yep. leaf. Like red right on the forehead. Right, right. Um, Just so you know. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the Canadian Leatherfaces, that's uh, that's how they do. That's how they do. Uh, anyway, Leatherface. <laughs> yeah, it was a movie. It was a not a very consistent movie, but we kind of warmed up to it. Yeah, it, it wasn't entirely awful. It just was two-thirds awful, would you say? Yeah, just uh, two-thirds just awful, two-thirds, you know. It's fine. You know. Yeah. Just a slight majority. And then an okay one-third. Yeah. So, so you know. If you if, that, if that's... Uh, tantalizing and... So tantalizing. <sighs> Just like a sizzling steak fajita. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank God it's We're Friday. opening a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah and Andrew Scarecrow Video Movie Guide and Restaurant. <laughs> steak fajitas. <laughs> it's on the video. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just showing Leatherface on, <laughs> yeah. in the background at all times. Yeah, I hope you like horror movies uh, <laughs> when you're eating. Uh, that's that's kind of... what you're in for when you uh, eat with us. Yeah. It wasn't the worst movie that no. we've seen, but it was close to it, the worst It was movie. no Windtalkers. Yeah, that's really but... just going to be our go-to reference for terrible movies, I think, for quite a while. Knock on wood. That's paper. Knock on close, guide. Close enough. Knock on guide. Yeah, pretty guide. Yep, pretty guide. God bless. <laughs> Since this episode will be released within the month of October, we have decided to limit ourselves to the psychotronic chapter of the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Um, so the psychotronic chapter covers horror, sci-fi, fantasy, things of that ilk. Are you ready to select a movie? Oh, God. I'm ready. Okay. Keep your eyes closed right. and I will start flipping through this chapter. We got one? Yeah. Okay. Colossus, The Forbin Project. Sci-fi, sci-fi slash sci-fi. Okay, sci-fi. <laughs> I love both those genres, so. 
it's 90 minutes, so that's good. Good, good. All right. Well, let's see what the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide has to tell us. Brainy scientist Charles Forbin creates a computer, suitably named Colossus, to run all of mankind's needs. In response, the Germans create Gemini. Colossus was programmed to, quote, never stop learning, end quote, and soon realizes it has mankind by the balls. It hooks up with Gemini and soon has control over the world's nuclear arsenal. Hmm. The supercomputer executes its enemies and takes complete possession over its creator, Dr. Forbin, who must pay the devil its due by giving up his personal freedom to the beast he has unleashed on the world. This film sends me back to the wonderful memories of 70s late-night television, watching crappy pan-scan versions of doomsday sci-fi classics with big computers and mass destruction. Colossus should really only be watched in its original 2.35:1 aspect ratio, sadly only available on the out-of-print Laserdisc, which included the equally interesting silent running as a double bill. Well worth tracking down or staying up late and catching on TV. From the director of another 70s classic, The Taking of Pelham 123, and the unbelievably bad Jaws 4, The Revenge. Well, huh. um, I mean, it sounds promising. I mean, I think... Yeah, the uh, premise is interesting I've, I've, and probably something we should be prepared for. Yeah, you know, If honestly, we don't get taken by climate change first. Right, so the way 2017's been going, I, I gladly would welcome supercomputers just... Uh, taking shit over. Taking shit over and wiping us out if need be. So, that, uh, that aside, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we are going to watch Colossus, the Forbin Project, and then we will be back with our thoughts after this musical interview. So we're back. We've finished watching Colossus, quote, the Forbin, unquote, project, as the uh, US DVD calls it. Yeah, like, but that's, I mean, there's a lot of inappropriate uh, quotation marks used, but that is. Anyway. Other countries' DVDs of this movie do not have those yeah, silly quotes. Just us. Just, just, uh, just us. Between uh, recording the first part of the podcast and recording this part of the podcast, we have both gotten sick, so we are coughing a lot. There may be more awkward editing than usual, so apologies in advance. So yeah, just finished watching the movie, and uh, we will get into our spoiler talk shortly after we do our rating here. So our patented rating system goes from in order of worst to best, don't watch, maybe don't watch, Maybe watch, and don't not watch. Patent pending. Patent pending. Wait, do you have a rating in mind? Yep, you. Okay, yep. Uh, one, two, three. Maybe, Maybe watch. watch. Yeah, it is... I don't know why I always say yeah after we do our... Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, all right? But uh, we, we both liked it a lot. Yeah, for sure. I think... What I would say is that, like, if the premise of the movie sounded intriguing to you, you should probably just go watch the movie. But you know what? It's a free country. Do what you want. Yeah, I did once read that apparently having spoilers doesn't 
diminish that's, that's true. your enjoyment I of something. That. I saw that as well. Um, if you're the kind of person who doesn't mind spoilers, feel free to keep listening. With that said, I guess we'll just get straight into the plot. I don't have any sort of pre-plot summary thoughts that I needed to get out of my head. Yeah, not really. Okay. So the, the movie opens up with the President of the United States visiting Charles Forbin. He's this scientist that has developed this uh, supercomputer, and uh, the president is there at the unveiling of it, and he's talking about how it'll help control all of the military components or military defense defense things and do it emotionlessly so that there's no human interference or like sway over the most logical thing that should be done. Like choosing which is the best weapon in the arsenal for the circumstance and, and deploying that based on logic. They've named the uh, computer Colossus. And uh, so there's this press conference where they extol the virtues of Colossus, all the, the great things that it's going to do for America. And they flip the switch and there's like a big party at the research lab facility thing. And then there's also, I guess, at like the Pentagon, I'm assuming they're having like an uh, unveiling ceremony as well. And so it's kind of cutting back and forth between the two. They're talking to each other on what uh, people in the 70s thought video screens would look like. Video conferencing. Yeah. So we're seeing like Dr. Forbin interacting with uh, the president and then also talking to his uh, his team back at the research facility. And it kind of shows how he's, he's like a smart dumb guy. Yeah, he's definitely smug. He, yeah, that's the main characteristic that I would attribute to him yeah. for sure just like kind of condescending and snug just chuckling dismissively at everybody that he perceives to be below the, his intelligence level. yeah yeah and so there's a lot of that going on and he's talking to his team and one of the other members of his team a female doctor cleo yeah Cleo markham so he's talking to her and she's like steal an ashtray for us from the from the white house or he's like okay and then he does which just like, I don't think she meant literally steal an ashtray necessarily. Like, she was just like, bring us back a souvenir. Yeah, right? yeah. So they uh, flip the switch, they turn Colossus on, and things kind of immediately start getting messed up. The first thing that happens is Colossus is like, hey, uh, there's another one of me. There's another system out there in the world. The CIA director says that they've seen indications of a system known as Guardian being built in the USSR. So Colossus asks to be linked to the other computer, Guardian. And the president decides, yeah, we'll, we'll let this happen. And hopefully Colossus can figure out what capabilities the Soviet supercomputer has. They were all really surprised. They thought that the US was the first one to get there, kind yeah. of really cockily. We're, I think, also assuming that... The capabilities of Colossus were far beyond what Guardian had. So on the same token, they were just trying to make sure that they were correct in that assumption. So Colossus establishes a connection and you see it starts doing multiplication tables, trying to find a common language to use with Guardian. So it starts going into more complicated forms of math, going into calculus, and then it starts performing all these equations that are beyond what any human scientists had ever done at that point, um, proving different theories about gravity or, or the universe expanding and that sort of thing. And um, they realized that Guardian is also now starting at the multiplication tables and sort of doing the same thing. Eventually, the two computers developed their own language that nobody else 
understands. They're just communicating with each other, and that freaks out both the American side and the Soviet side. Yeah, and up until that point, like, Dr. Forbin has just been, like, pretty insufferable, just yeah. chuckling at everything that's been going on, like, oh, there, Colossus wants to talk to Guardian. Oh, that's, that's funny. Like, let's oh, do it. Oh, that's and, cute. Yeah, okay. And, uh, oh, he's, they're do, he's doing math now. Well, that's... Uh, uh, nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. Yeah, and the, the, everybody really seems so blasé about yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, that really struck me too. They're just like, hmm, okay, well, I mean, let's just see let what happens. Let's we'll check like, it out. You know, if you were making a supercomputer with the express purpose of it being in charge of your entire defense system, I think you'd be a little, <laughs> a little bit more concerned. Yeah, not just like, uh, hey, let's play it by ear. Let's just see how it goes, and uh, we'll just roll with it. Yeah, let's just wing it. It's fine. No, it's uh, <laughs> not super realistic. So, basically, the, the Soviet chairman gets on the phone with the president, and they're like, what the hell do we do? We don't like this. And so, the two sides decide to block the communication between the two computers. Communications ended, and Colossus is pissed. Yeah, like, immediately, it's like, why? Just, like, it's got kind of this uh, reader board type thing. I don't know, like, we had one of those at our school when I was in middle school, like, up in the cafeteria, they would just, like, scroll text across the screen. To, oh, yeah, like, so, like, sometimes you see them in, like, stores yeah. or, like, restaurants or so, whatever. Yeah, so that's how Colossus is communicating with these people, and so as soon as they cut off the link between uh, itself and Guardian, it, it just says, why? It's like... Oh, you guys are in deep shit now. It is sentient. So good job, morons. Yeah, and so Colossus is like, this is bullshit, and decides to fire a missile aimed at an oil complex in the USSR. And Guardian does the same thing. It launches a missile at one of our like military bases in Texas. I think yeah, Anderson Air Force Base. Yes, yes. In Texas. So both of these supercomputers shoot off missiles, and eventually... Both sides decide that they have to reopen communication. So the U.S. side gets it like just in the nick of time. And then Colossus shoots an anti-missile missile to block the one that was heading towards Anderson Air Force Base. So it's fine. The air base is fine. However, on the Russian side, they were not able to get their connection set up in time. And the missile shot by Colossus reaches the oil complex and blows up an entire town. 6,000 people wiped out. So Done. both sides are trying to like kind of cover up what happened, putting fake stories out in the news. So it was like, oh, no, a meteor hit and wiped out the town. The U.S. press is like, there was like an accidental launch of a missile, but we intercepted it in time. So no harm done. At this point, both sides start realizing they're at the whim of these computers. So they decide to try and get Forbin to meet up with the creator of the Russian supercomputer. So a meeting is arranged between the two of them, and they're like, okay, well, we have to meet somewhere. There's no surveillance. So the two guys are just kind of walking through Rome, trying to brainstorm ways to regain control. Well, these guys show up, and a helicopter shows up. Um, so there's the helicopter shows up, and they're, like, trying to usher Forbin in, and then there's, like, these four guys heading toward Dr. Kuprin. And then Kuprin shot. Forbin runs back over to the guys and like, what the hell would you do that for? And basically the, the computers decided that Kuprin should be killed under threat of a missile launch against Moscow. So it was basically like, okay, you either kill Kuprin or we're going to destroy Moscow. They don't have any need for both scientists, basically. Well, I, I, that's part of it. And I think also they didn't want them conspiring. If they had both of them, they could potentially take down the machines. 
So Forbin's the one who ends up being saved. Colossus is like, okay, now you're going to be under constant surveillance at all times, 24 hours a day. You got to have cameras on you at all times and you have to have, there has to be audio connection at all times. They get all these cameras set up and uh, microphones and before everything gets activated, Forbin meets with his team and he's like, we've got to figure out some way that I can communicate with you guys secretly to where I can't be under surveillance or anything. And his brilliant plan is that he's going to pretend that one of the uh, team members, Leo, is his mistress and he needs to have alone time uh, with alone her. Alone bone time. Alone bone time uh, with her with, under, with no surveillance. And then his plan being that once they're alone with the cameras turned off, they'll be able to communicate freely. But it's not a great plan. So they show Forbin walking around this apartment that's been set up in the research complex and showing off all this stuff to the cameras that Colossus has had installed. And then he gets into this conversation. Well, you know, I uh, I think we need to establish some rules here. Like, I kind of need some privacy. I really don't want you to watch me when I go to the bathroom. And Colossus is like, no deal. Yeah. And then... <laughs> He's explaining how he has this relationship with a member of, of his team and how they need to have alone time. And there's some back and forth between him and Colossus. And then Colossus is like, well, how many times do you need to be with a woman? Forbin is like, every night of the week. And then Colossus is like, okay, how many times do you need to be with a woman, not want to be with a woman? And he's like, oh, four times a week, I guess. Okay, story checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he wants to see Forbin going to the bathroom, but he's okay with giving them like, alone time for sex. And like, then also, why would this unemotional, just purely logical computer care if it's seeing sex or not? Yeah. Honestly, I, I still don't understand why Colossus would ever agree to that. He wakes up the next day after they have established these rules. And Colossus has printed out itineraries for him every day. Like okay, you wake up at this time and then you exercise for one hour and then, like, everything is completely dictated. Yeah. Everything. Control freak. Like, what he eats, everything. Five o'clock, it's dinner time with your lady. So, yeah, like, there, there's the scheduled arrival time for Cleo to show up at the residence and then there's the scheduled time when dinner has to begin and then there's the scheduled get into your bedroom and do it time that yeah. Colossus has dictated. But they have to, like, strip totally bare and walk into the bedroom naked, which, if you imagine having to do that with your boss as part of your <laughs> job, like, how... It's a huge HR how fucked up? I mean, I guess they're kind of past the point about worrying, not that they're worried about well, HR violations in the 70s well, anyways. So they're having this pillow talk when it's about their plans to try to... Foil. Yeah, sabotage the, the missile systems that Colossus is constantly threatening them with. You see that uh, they're trying to kind of sabotage Colossus's efforts by reprogramming the, the missiles so that they'll still launch like normal, but they won't actually detonate the, the nuclear bits of it. And they're kind of hashing this out. And they're like, well, if we're going to do this without raising any suspicion, it's going to take us a long time to get this taken care of it's going to take like three years for us to get to all the missiles well because they'd have to do it at like the regular sort of right maintenance maintenance times right and then another programmer comes up with another idea of feeding a test program that would use up all of colossus's processing time cleo mentions colossus wants us to build a voice for it and it's got its own specifications so we're working on that so they get the voice created for colossus and the first thing it announces is I want you guys to aim all of the missiles in our arsenal to all the other countries that I'm not in control of. And we should talk about the voice, too. Because yes, it's the, the voice. 
they say like oh colossus has developed the voice that it wants to have with these very specific kind of specifications specifications and then you hear the voice and i'm just gonna insert a clip of colossus talking here this is colossus the voice of world control obey me and live or disobey and die and we heard that and we're both like that's the voice that Colossus wanted to have, like Colossus and Guardian agreed collectively that when they combine their forces, that's the voice that they thought would be the best <laughs> one to use. Oh, supercomputer. You, yeah, you guys. So yeah, Paul Freeze did the voice. And if you look at his IMDb, you would recognize a ton of shit. Like even those old Christmas specials from the 70s, like Santa Claus is coming to town. He was like Burger Meister, Meister Burger. So anyway, the, the team realizes like, oh, this is the perfect time because it's actually asking us to go to all these missiles and do this work so we can do this plan much quicker. So they're starting to do that and Colossus doesn't seem to realize that they're doing it. And then they're trying to do the system overload and Colossus realizes what they're doing and he's like, I see right through this pretty transparent plan of yours and I'm going to have these two scientists shot. Just in the courtyard. At, in the courtyard, yeah. And their bodies just stay there for 24 hours. Yeah, and Forbin is really like, not phased by that either. Like, this not team really. member that he's worked with pretty closely from what it seemed like. He seemed to be kind of, like, laughing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just like like before. He just is just kind of chuckling as he's talking to Cleo in, in their bedroom about it later that night. So, Flossus then is like, okay, I've got to let you know what my next plans are, but I'm not going to tell you yet. There's going to be a broadcast that goes out worldwide, so you need to hook me up to all the television stations in the world, and then I will give this announcement. So, everybody in the world's watching Colossus give this statement that, you know, I'm going to bring peace, I'm here for whatever, like, good of mankind, and we're going to stop overpopulation and this and that, but you need to realize that I'm in charge, and so it decides to detonate two missile silos, one in the U.S., one in the USSR. Which, I mean, I guess if you see, like, two nuclear detonations, I guess that would probably get you in line pretty quickly. Colossus is like, I bring you peace, and maybe the peace of plenty and content, or the peace of unburied death. (laughs) Unburied death! Cool. Well, okay, so he's uh, he's not mincing words there. Not at all. Colossus tells Forbin, like, okay, so you're going to be working with me one way or the other. Like, you're not going to like it at first, but you'll get used to it. You'll come to love me. And Forbin's like, never! And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and that's the end. It's like, yeah, you say never, but it's 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 <laughs> happening. You don't really have much choice. It's that or death. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> Unburied death. Yeah. It's a pretty bleak prognosis for the future of humanity. I don't know. This was based on a book, and there are two others. So the second novel is called The Fall of Colossus, which Mm -hmm. you think is, you know... Self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. But then there's a third book in the series, and it's called Colossus and the Crab. Oh, that sounds (laughs) like like a kid's book. Is that what you did for the third book in the series? Like, where are you going to go with this? Yeah, I, I read the synopses of those books, and it goes off the rails. Forbin has this wife who regresses in age somehow she's like 34 in the first book and then she's 28 in the second book even though the second book is like set 10 years after the start of the first one and there's some gross rapey stuff Uh, in there too and it's like yeah exactly that's colossus the forbin project i enjoyed the ending being that yeah abrupt and like and just like well you're fucked sorry everybody sorry humanity you're uh you're under this that's it, that's it. Like, I couldn't see any way that they could get out of that that no. would be logical no. or make sense to me. 
Like, if they somehow managed to get control of Colossus or take it down, I would have been calling bullshit. Right, and I was getting ready to be really angry, like I'd written down in my notes. If the humans come out of this, like, winning, it's because the writers wrote a super intelligent computer to do something very stupid, and I'm gonna not like this movie if that happens. Yeah. But they don't cop out at all. They they go with the bleak, everybody's doomed ending. Yeah. That, I think, would probably be pretty realistic if and when this happens. <laughs> yeah. Watching the movie reminded me of that terrifying article that you found a couple of years oh ago God. about the AI. Yeah. How like the AI progression is going to be sort of incremental at first, and then it, it just will gonna... be this point where it spikes immediately, it gets like way, way more advanced incredibly quickly, and then we're all maybe doomed at that point. Maybe doomed, maybe not. Like, scientists are pretty split. Yeah, 50-50 on, on whether it's... <laughs> What is especially troubling is there's like so many respected scientists who are talking about this. Yeah. And, the, and the, the way they're talking about it is not if, but when, giving different predictions on the time frame. Right. So. And it's sooner than you would hope. I think Elon Musk is really worried about artificial intelligence. I was reading something where people were kind of making fun of him because he was more worried about artificial intelligence than he was about climate change. And it's like, Hey guys, uh, we can have two like existence-threatening crises going on at the same time. It's not it doesn't have to be one it's or the whole, other. Yeah, for sure. We've got all these awful natural disasters happening recently, like hurricanes and terrible earthquakes and yeah. tsunamis, and there's so many different ways that we can doom ourselves or, yeah. or help ourselves be doomed. Oh, this is, this is cheery. a fun podcast. Very so, so if we want to get back on the, the subject Try of less depressing back. things. <laughs> The studio was really just puzzled at uh, why the movie did as poorly as it did. I guess now it's pretty widely regarded as being... A pretty decent movie. Yeah, like kind like, of a, a underappreciated classic movie. Yeah, I mean, I saw it made number 17 in Rolling Stone's 50 Best Sci-Fi Movies of the 70s list. Yeah. It, you know, the 60 movies ahead of it are pretty well-known ones like Star Wars, you know. Things of that ilk. Yeah. So for it to be so high on the list and for it to have been something that I hadn't really heard of before. Right. I'm kind of surprised because I've certainly seen plenty of sci-fi in my Yeah, life. we're not yeah. unfamiliar with the genre. They, I guess, were having a hard time figuring out how to market it. And they were trying to, like, emphasize the, the humor in it, I guess. And, like, yeah. the the romantic subplot. And, like, when it came out, I got positive reviews that were comparable to what MASH got, which was released around the same around time. The same time. And so they just were like, why isn't this doing any better? And it's like, well, it's a movie about an evil computer. What year did Willy Wonka come out? Because I feel like... So the only reason I bring that up is at the beginning, I thought the intro was very similar. And it's like, oh, look at all these computer parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of like the opening of Willy Wonka in the Top yeah. Factory with all the candies being made. Right, right. But there's the supercomputer in that movie that's trying to predict where the next Wonka bar is going to be found. People were kind of aware of supercomputers and the potential of them being either like smart asses or maybe not Bound out there to, to help win. every human. So yeah, they had a hard time figuring out what they were going to do with it. It was not, it's, I guess, and I can understand it because it's not like a easy movie to market. There's no like flashy special effects or like gripping action sequences necessarily. Not at all, but that said, like it's kind of a stylish movie and... Like, Edith Head did the costumes Yeah, that in was, it. surprised um, us both. Like, we're like, oh, Edith Head. Yeah. And it has, like, a really striking logo for Colossus. Like, this black triangle with a white C in it. And, you know, it's it's definitely got, like, a stylish aspect to it. 
And they give Guardian a logo too, which I thought was funny. They have like the separate station yeah. site for Guardian. Like, like a oh, star made, with a G in it. Yeah, yeah they, made, oh, they made a logo for him too. That's nice. Yeah. Good for him. Um, so the guy who played Dr. Forbin is this, this actor, Eric Braden. And he changed his name for this movie. Lou Wasserman of Universal Pictures told him that no one could star in an American movie with a German name. What his name at birth was Hans Jörg Gudegast. So very yeah. German name. Yeah, that's you pretty know, German. He is very German. He came from a town called Friedenbach, I think, and his, his dad was the mayor there. So his last name is kind of based off of that, but not quite so overtly German sounding. Anyway, they thought that was going to be a big deal. In 1970, like, you can't have a German-named starring actor. It probably was back then, I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I saw, which was an interesting sort of anecdote, is Ron Howard has been, for years, apparently trying to get a remake done of Colossus. Yeah, like, ten years now, right? I thought it well, started, yeah, started like, in he started, like, Yeah, talking about it in 2007, and then, like, some point later, I think around 2010, he got Will Smith on board, who was going to be playing Charles Forbin. And then, like, the last sort of news about it was in 2013. So who knows if that's ever going to pan out. Probably not at this point, but that, you that's never know. fine, man. The, the movie yeah. holds really up don't... really well, yeah. I, I would say. That's what I was going to kind of say about that. Is it would be redundant. Just watch the original. Yeah. It's good. That kind of wraps up our thoughts on Colossus, the Forbin Project. And uh, so if you want to keep track of what we're doing, keep on top of our podcast release, you can... Find us on Facebook, uh, Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Just do a search for that. We've got a group set up. Also, our website, TaraAndAndrewVersus.com, and our email address, TaraAndAndrewVersus at gmail.com. You can use to get in touch with us or, or check out the podcast pages and see our bullshit that we try to come up with to say about each episode without giving too much away about what we actually talk about. Yeah, you can subscribe on iTunes or other podcast apps. Yeah. Google Play. All those fun places. All those things. So at this time, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Boat for allowing us to use their song lately from the album Setting the Paces. Thank you so much, Boat. You're the best. As always, thank you, Boat. We'll catch you later, potato hags. Catch you later, potato hags. <laughs> <laughs>